So we, we were talking Sunday about, about purpose and the effects of knowing what God has said about your life, knowing where you're going, and, um, and, and, and really tapping into that, into that power of purpose. Everybody say purpose. purpose. Let's start tonight by saying this, that your DNA is solidified when you, when you start walking in, in your purpose. Your DNA gets solidified. Now, a lot of us understand that you had a mom and a daddy, and, and your mom and daddy had, had things that they wanted you to do. Mama, mama want, want, wanted you to grow up and be a cook. Daddy wanted you to grow up and be a policeman. And, uh, and within your DNA, there is purpose within your DNA from the time you're born. Yeah. I'm going to say that again. There's purpose within your DNA from the time you're born. And so there are things that are innately within you that God put place inside of you from the time of your birth that through circumstances, through trials, through tribulations, those things are stirred within you and you start to realize that I was born to be more than just a cook or more to be, I was born to be more than just a police officer or I was born to do more than just play basketball. You start realizing that God has a bigger purpose for me than, than my hobbies. Y'all get what I'm saying? Like, there, there's something bigger than this. I love playing basketball. I love playing my video games. Come on. I love my Fortnite. I love all my stuff that I do. But there's something bigger for my life. The more I mature in life and go through circumstances, I start realizing God has something bigger for me. And, I, and I, 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 the, the, the word kind of talks about, like, is when I was a child, I behaved as a child, acted as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. It's in the putting away of the childish things that you start to realize that God has something bigger for you. And you've been missing it because you have not been mature enough to handle it. I'm going to say it again. A lot of us have been missing a lot of, a lot of purpose because we, up until now, we have not been mature enough to handle it. So when God starts, starts showing you why you were born, when he, starts, when he starts telling you the purpose behind your, 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 your life, and you start looking at those death moments, those areas in your in times in your, in your life and seasons where you were supposed to die and things were supposed to take you under, and you start realizing it couldn't happen and it didn't happen because God has something bigger for me. You might not even know what that, what that bigger thing is, but the, the closer you get to God, the more that thing starts unlocking. Do anybody know what I'm talking about? It starts unlocking for you. So when I start talking about purpose and things like that, a lot of people start saying, God, what is it? You know, and they, they start thinking in their mind, why am I alive? Why am I here? What am I doing? Have I really been wasting time for the last 15, 20, 25, 30 years? Yeah. Now, if you want to know if you've been wasting time, you got to ask yourself this one question. How fulfilled am I on the inside with the, all the activities that I'm doing? Right. How fulfilled on the inside am I? Do I go, do I, do I go to bed saying, Woo, there was so much in me that, I, that, 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 that came out and I accomplished it because of purpose. Or do you go to bed saying, I worked the whole day today and I can't do this tomorrow? All right. So the statement I said is that your DNA is solidified when you begin to walk in your purpose. You start realizing, wait a minute. God, with all of this stuff that's inside of me, I'm supposed to be using this for the glory of God. I'm supposed to be using this to bless somebody else's life. And that's when you start walking in purpose. It's okay to have a job. It's okay, it's okay for, to have a business. But there has to be purpose in it. So you didn't just get hired to the place that you're hired to. You, you, you didn't start the business just to make money. 
there's a purpose behind it. You may, you, may have, you may have gotten a job somewhere, but in your getting the job here, there's, Lord, what is the purpose behind you allowing them to hire me because I wasn't even, I, I wasn't qualified for this. I wasn't qualified to be here. Based off of my record, I shouldn't be here. Based off of my qualifications, I shouldn't be here, but I'm here. So, so now, God, now that you've opened up this door for me, why, what is it that I'm supposed to be doing while I'm here? So a lot of us get very disenchanted with places and, and places that we work at. We get disenchanted with business. We get disenchanted with places that we're living at because we ha- we, we're not fulfilling purpose there. So, so God opened up this door. It was amazing that God did this for you. You got a brand new house, a brand new apartment. But then two years later, you're like, Lord, I'm ready for the next thing. We call it, we call it boredom. And the truth of the matter is that it's not boredom as much as it is not having purpose. You're really bored because you don't have a purpose. And a lot of people are Christians. We, it's almost like, think about it. Um, uh, our, our children are like this. They come to me and say, Dad, I'm bored. I say, you have a thousand times more things available to you than I had when I was a child. You got the internet. You got Netflix. You got an iPad. You got all the games you can download, but you're bored. We play hopscotch and jump rope and freeze tag. But they're bored. You, 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 y'all see what I'm saying? We, we, the reason why we didn't count so good is because we was, we was counting jumping rope. One, two, three, four, five. They don't, they don't even, the stuff they're doing, they ain't even got to count for. Siri counts for you. The app counts for you. What are you saying? A lot of us realize we, we, and we started understanding purpose at a young age because the truth of the matter is that there was nothing else for us to do but, but discover purpose. When I, okay, purpose sounds like this. When I get old enough, I'm going to make sure that nobody's hungry. If you grew up in a, in, in a situation where you were always hungry, part of your, now, and this is what a lot of people don't get either, is that purpose, purpose for a lot of people comes out of their own pain. Your, your, the, the, reason, the reason for you living comes out of the pain of what you had to endure your life. So part of, part of my purpose is to, is to help people who have been hurt because I've been hurt severely. I know what it's like not to have a father. So anybody who doesn't have a father, my heart opens up. You see what I'm saying? People who have, heart, who, people who have, who have uh, family issues, my heart opens up. People who've been hurt by the church, my heart opens up. People who walk in a level of ignorance, ignorance my heart opens up. Why? Because I've been in all of those places and God so let it be that I was in those places and could not get rescued out of them only but by him. So I started making internal vows when I was going through my pain. Lord, if you'll show me how to get out of this, I'll help other people get out of this too. It don't feel good to be here and be hungry and starving. It don't feel good to be in a situation where, where, where mom and daddy's fighting and I got to hear this and put my hands on my ears. It don't feel good. So now, God, if you let, let, let me live through this, then when I get older, I'm going to help other people because I know what this feels like. Yes. So a lot of our pain, now look, think, think back in your life, rewind. Go back to a lot of pain-filled situations for you and you'll start understanding why, what some of your purpose is. Who, who has God called you to minister to? When you start talking about spiritual areas, who has God called you to minister to? He's called you to minister to people who, ha- who are going through what you have overcome. 
So you really can't, you really can't minister to anybody if you haven't yet overcome it. So one of the plans of God for purpose is to get you to come at, to, to be at peace with what you had to go through. Forgive folks, we're talking about this on Sunday, forgiving folks, letting stuff go, everything don't have to be a fight, so that you can bring that same peace into somebody else's life. All right? Uh, so, so we kind of talked about that on Sunday. Um, you can have, let's, let, let me use this as, as an example, you can have three people who do the same thing. Let's say uh, we all cook soul food. We, got to, we all have soul food restaurants. Um, we have three different restaurants. We have three different styles. Each one of us season our food a different way. Each one of us cook our food a different way. Can have the same exact menu. All of us will have, some will have more, some will have less employees than others. One of us may take all of our money and reinvest all that money back into the business while the other two will take that money and, and live a little lavishly. Right? Who's wrong in that situation? None of them. The issue comes, watch this, the, the issue comes when, 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 when I'm here, but I'm only doing this without purpose. Out of the three, I got, I got this restaurant, but I'm only here for a check. I'm not, I'm not dedicated to the business, the employees, or the taste of the food. Now, now this, is, this, is where, this, is where, this is where purpose comes in. If my purpose here is to make this place become a five-star, top-notch place, although, I, just like the Chinese man, I only got two seats. Right? If what is the purpose for me opening this spot? If the purpose is to, is to give the people who sit in the two seats and everybody else that orders and comes through a five-star dining experience... Purpose will cause me to do whatever, what, what, what other people aren't doing. I'll go the extra mile because purpose says the end result of this is I want you to have an experience here. When you taste this food, I don't want you to taste this and be like, yeah. So, so, so in, prep, in preparing for this, in, in preparing for this, part of purpose means that I'm going to have to get critiqued. I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to let people taste the food. I'm going to have to do this, and I have to perfect it so that as I'm doing this, the purpose behind it stands out. Yes. Now watch, watch. Um, every person in here has has purpose. Every person in here has a purpose. There's something that God has put inside of you that you are supposed to dive in towards. This is what I found out. When people mark time, when they mark time in industry or mark time in an area of their life or mark time in ministry, it's because they, they've never pushed into purpose. Amen. They've never spent time asking God a couple of questions. And a lot of us, a lot of us spend most of our prayer time asking God to give us the wrong thing. Right. Lord, give me some money. You don't really need money, you need a plan. So when he gives you the money, you can execute a plan to get more money. So, so, and, and people go into prayer begging God for something. Lord, please, open up. Lord, oh my God, please, Lord, please, Lord, please, Lord, please. And this is why God don't answer. Because God is a God of purpose. Say that, God is a God of purpose. And what he's looking for for you as his child is to tap into your purpose so that he can give you everything connected to it. So, so the, the Bible talks about praying and praying amiss because you're asking, heaping things upon yourself for you. 
Now watch this. When you pray, you're supposed to pray according to the will of God. What is God's will for you to come into purpose? So, so if I'm praying tonight for a big red fire truck, as a pastor of a church and a father of seven children who is not a firefighter, you get what I'm saying? I'm asking God to give me something, watch this, that might be, that might be flashy, but I don't need it. So a lot of our prayers, we're praying and asking God to give us stuff because it makes us look good, but it has nothing to do with our purpose. But if I ask God to give me a van so that we can, so that we can transport people to and from church, and I need a van because I got seven children and a wife. You see what I'm saying? So nine of us got to get in the van. Y'all get that? Purpose has, purpose has to be the ruling force behind your prayers. So a lot of people are praying and not getting any answers because they're not praying according to the purpose for their life. You're not praying according to the purpose of God for your life. So once you start tapping into what your purpose is, why are you alive? What does God want me to do with my life? Once you start tapping into that, your prayers are going to change. Your prayer is not going to be a boring time before God. Like, Lord, just come on. I just, I'm going to do this because if they ask me that I pray, I want to say yes. Don't want to lie to the people of God. There has to be something that pushes you to get in the presence of God. And that thing is going to push you. Somebody say it's purpose. So, so what is purpose? Let me give you this definition from Sunday. I'm not going to do any recapping from Sunday because I will not finish this. And I got to finish this tonight. What is purpose? Purpose, we said on from Sunday, is the reason why a thing or a person exists. The reason for your existence, that is purpose. We said that purpose is the intention of a thing or a person. The intention. The intent. And then we said that purpose is the goal of a thing or a person. So it is the reason why a person exists. It's the intention of a thing or a person. And it is the goal of a thing or a person. We left off here in Joshua chapter 14 on Sunday talking about Caleb. He was a partner of Joshua's and, we, and Caleb starts talking about the secret behind him staying young and possessing his promised land. Staying young and possess, possessing his promised land. And so we kind of dealt with uh, uh, just a little bit of this on Joshua chapter 14. I read it to you Sunday and um, we're going we're gonna to take this verse by verse. By verse. Go to verse uh, number 6, Joshua 14 and 6. Joshua 14 and 6. And Joshua is going to spell out to us what purpose looks like so that you can keep a young, a young spirit full of energy and be ready to go into the promise of what God promised you. What good is it to have strength and energy and don't know where you're going? Don't know what you're walking into. A lot of us right now, at the, at, almost at the end of the first quarter, a lot of people right now in this room are oblivious to what God wants to do with your life this year. You don't have to say amen because I know. Oblivious. If I would pass the mic down and say to every person on every row, what is it that God has showed you that he wants to do in your life or through your life this year? Give us, give us, give us three, three, three areas of what God wants to use your life to do this year. Most of us couldn't say it. Most of us couldn't say it. You want to know why? Because all we're looking for is the next blessing. The next miracle. The next thing that God wants to do. But, but most of us don't have any purpose. 
We don't have any purpose. So, so what is it that God wants to use your life to do this year? What are the three things God wants to do, use your life to do this year? Win souls of the kingdom. That's, that's generic. Anybody can say that. Now, unless winning souls of the kingdom has, has to do with your personal purpose for living. And if that's the case, then, then, then you should have been on this three years ago. Y'all real quiet tonight. It's okay. When you start getting into the purpose of why you're here, what God wants to use your life to do, everything that you do correlates with that. So I, I exist to preach the gospel, to teach men, people of God and people who don't know God, to bring them into an existence of knowing who God is and, and, and to remove ignorance from off their life. That's what I exist to do. That's what I exist to do. That, that's why I'm alive. Like, you have to have a personal mission statement for your life. Why am I here? So I exist to bring people into an existence of knowing who Jesus Christ is. See, I can tell you that. I can say it 50 times the same way. Because this is what I practice. This is what I've, when I got before God, I said, God, why am I alive? Why didn't I die? So watch this. I don't spend time on anything else other than studying, staying in the presence of God, because I exist to bring people into a knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. Now that don't mean I don't, I don't have a job. I, come on, I don't, I don't ever work and I don't ever go to the movies. But watch this, even with a job, I exist to bring people into knowing who Jesus is. So at, at our lunch break, when they're laughing, I'm looking for the person who needs ministry. Y'all missing it already. Because I exist to bring people into the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and to remove ignorance from off of their mind. Now, when you, I can tell you that that's my personal mission statement because I spent, I spent time in the presence of God and, I, and I, watch this, I also use the process of elimination. Okay. Uh, when I'm over here doing this, does this bring me joy? No, it brings me happiness. That's not for me. Y'all miss it. See, see, this is this is where the church messed up at. We want we want happiness so much that we don't even we don't even upgrade the joy. You just want to be happy. Lord, okay, so I did this. How do I how did I feel after I did this? Did I come home with, with so much excitement from doing this that I can't sleep? That, that based off of this encounter, what I've just done, it, it now forces more vision to come up out of me. Okay, so, so if, we're out, if we're out, all of us are out, and we're like witnessing the people, and we're talking to people, and I'm, we're prophesying to people, when I come home, something in me starts coming alive. It starts jumping. Next time, this is what I'm going to do. Who I got an idea. Let me write this down. Ooh. Because I exist. To bring people. You, you, you get what I'm saying? Now watch. Now, once you know your purpose, you can execute purpose anywhere. Write it down. Once I know my purpose, I can execute it anywhere. You can be on vacation to execute purpose. Come on, you can, you can, you can own a business and execute purpose. I can start any business I want to. It's going to prosper because the reason for the business is not for me just, just to make money. Now, I'm in this to make some money. I'm in this to make some money. Come on, don't get it twisted. But while I'm making the money, the reason behind all of this is even with the money, it's, it's my purpose. 
The purpose is going to help me to, to free up time at home, paying off some bills, doing the stuff I have to do. Because when I go back to do doing purpose, I don't want I don't want to have my mind on stuff that I got to pay off. So the business is to help me to take care of stuff. So when I go, when I go and do what I'm doing, I exist. Do y'all get what I'm saying? A lot of times what we do is when, when, when God starts dealing with us about purpose, what we do is we shut ourselves off from the world. We shut down from the world. And now we think that purpose is going to leave you in a room, in a closet, with a little dim light. Tell my Lord, give, give me more. Speak to me. Give it to me in a deeper volume. And the truth of the matter is that when God starts revealing purpose for you, to you, what he really wants you to do is to lean into him and to open up to more of the purpose. Everybody say, lean into him. Open up to more of the purpose. Say it again, lean into him. And open up to more of the purpose. So, so, so uh, if I get a job, the purpose for me having a job is not just to make money. I'm not here for free. I'm going to make some money. But now, how can I tie and wrap up my purpose into this place where I'm now working at? So if I exist to bring people into the knowledge of who Jesus is, I have to have a level of wisdom to execute. Because you can't be like, tell me, Crump, we need you to go over here and, and, and do X, Y, and Z. Hold up, my shandana behind. I got a word from the law for the whole floor. That's not wisdom. They don't know nothing about my God. Now I'm spooky to them. Now they think I'm crazy. They're going to label me as somebody that, and I, I'll have no end to them because if you want to win souls, you have to be. And, you can't, and, 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 you, and wisdom is not letting people know what you're doing all the time. Okay, we'll leave that alone. All right, so, so um, let's jump through um, um, Joshua 14. Joshua 14 and uh, 6. Then the children of Judah came. I'm reading from the New, New King James Version, and we're going we're gonna to stop and go a little bit, all right? Then the children of Judah came to Joshua, <clears throat> excuse me, in Gil Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite said to him, here it goes. He's explaining now how his secret to staying young and possessing the promises of God. He says, you know the word which the Lord said to Moses. Stop right there. You know, if we're going to dissect this, listen to what he's saying. He says, he says you, know the, you know the word which the Lord said. So the first thing that Caleb is saying here is, if, you're gonna, if, you're gonna, if your strength is going to be preserved and you're going to go into a promise, you've got to know God's word. To have to know God's word. He rehearsed it to himself every day. For 45 years, he's rehearsing what God said. How often does God speak to you and you don't rehearse it from Sunday to Tuesday? Because if faith comes by hearing... And hearing by the word of God. I'm not telling you to take notes for you to just be looking fancy. I'm saying write it down because if God is saying something, you have to keep rehearsing it so that your spirit can come into alignment with it so that anything that comes to try to say something contrary, you say, no, I got a word on this. You instantly can fight back. If faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, how much word have you heard that you haven't exhibited faith to? Think about that for a second. How many times have you heard a word? You're like, well, that's for me. And you left it right here in that chair you sat in. Because you didn't take it home and rehearse it to yourself over and over again until it became a part of your arsenal. Mm. 
a part of your life so that as vision is growing within you, you have a word to stand on. Vision, now write this down. Vision and the word have to grow up together. Vision and the word have to grow up together. When God gives you a vision, he's not going to give you a vision and his word not be attached to it. The vision and the word are going to grow together. If God is telling you, I'm going to use your voice to, to reach youth and young people, then he's going to take you to Jeremiah where Jeremiah said, I'm, I'm, I'm a youth myself and I don't have nothing to say. He's going to start forming the vision in you based off of what his word said. And he came back to Jeremiah and said, don't worry about, don't worry about your status as a child. I'm going to feed you the word. I'm going to tell you what to say. God's going to start a process of connecting you and his word into the vision he's given you. Because the first thing that happens whenever, whenever God starts, starts talking to you about, about vision and purpose is the enemy's going to come and try to fight you and say, you can't be the one that, do, that does this. You can't be the one that has the business. You can't be the one that graduates out of college. You can't be the one that makes his money. You can't be a millionaire. And he's going to fight you instantly. The harder the fight, it must mean that the vision is real and that the purpose is really for you. How many of you have ever had a season in your life where you know God was trying to form purpose within you about something to say, this is what I want you to do for this season. This is your purpose for the next quarter. This is your purpose for this year. And the more he spoke that, the harder the devil fought you. Anybody ever have that? Now, this is what we do. We, we, we back up or go forward based on the level of attack. We back up or go forward based on the level of attack. What, what, do, you mean? what do you mean, Bishop? A lot of us we don't proceed forward in the midst of heavy battle. So Sunday I was, I was talking to y'all about every season don't have to be a, a fighting season. And, 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 and uh, you know, I, I, was, I, was, I was listening to it Sunday. I got, I got just blessed immeasurably on Sunday as I went home and listened to the, to the word. And then I said, okay, Lord, the Lord began to deal me about that. He said, although you're being attacked in certain seasons, doesn't even mean that it's your season to try to hit and fight back. Everything you do in the kingdom has to be strategic. Write that down. Everything I do in the kingdom must be strategic. The reason, now think about this. The, the reason the Bible says that, um, that, that, that we have to put on the armor of God, right? Talking about the armor of God. What is the reason for the armor? The reason for the armor of God is so that when we're attacked and hit, it doesn't affect us. So most people, are, most people are saved, but they don't, they, they don't have on the armor. So everything that hits them is like a death blow. Right. Somebody talk about you, and, and you don't have on the breastplate of righteousness, you're going to automatically be pierced. Oh, God, that just hurt so bad. I can't do nothing for 18 weeks now. <laughs> when you're not wearing, when you don't have on the armor, everything affects you deeply. Question. How deeply has the last three or four hits affected you? And where have you been hit? Because all of this is strategic. Now, all this has to do with purpose because the enemy will hit you, he'll try to hit you strategically in certain places to, to affect you from doing what God's called you to do and from fulfilling purpose. So if you're in a season where, where, where you're going to have to have a lot of mental sharpness, the enemy will try to hit you with darts in your mind with a whole lot of stuff. Your mind be racing. You have foggy thoughts, foggy mind. You can't remember stuff. It's warfare that you don't even have to really engage in, but you do have to rebuke. I'm not going to stop for 15 days and go on a 15-day fast for something I can rebuke. You got to tell that thing, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. 
Notice the word, Satan, the Lord rebuke you. Satan, the Lord. I don't, I don't do it. He does it. See, a part of warfare is knowing how much authority you have. Satan, headache, whatever. The Lord rebuke you. Come out of this mind. Why? Because I know my purpose for this season. Now, if you know your purpose, if, you know your, if, if your purpose is in this season, God is trying to get you to retain his word, to, to have it in your head, and you're memorizing scripture, and the fight comes again. First of all, if that's what he has you doing, you have to safeguard what it is that, you, that you're called to do for a season. Safeguard what you're called to do for a season. So if God says, study my word, what does it take for you to study his, his word? It takes mental sharpness, mental capacity. It takes you having, having mental balance. So, so you, wouldn't, you wouldn't do that and not put on the helmet of salvation. That makes sense? A lot, of, a lot of us are trying our best. We're doing our best to be good Christians, carry out what God told us to do, but we, but we don't have armor in place so that we can, we can be effective to reach the goal that God has given us. So God says, I want you to love my people. You better put on the breastplate of righteousness because you're going to get stabbed a thousand times. Let that knife hit the breastplate and not your heart. Like, not, but not, now listen, now that I'm saying that, does that make sense? How often do we secure the armor? We don't secure the armor for the assignment of purpose. So based off of your purpose, and he's given us head-to-toe armor for a reason. Why? Because your assignment is going to take one part of this body or all of it to do the, to, to, watch it, to fulfill purpose. So if God says, in this season, I do want you to fight. You need to go from head to toe. In the name of Jesus, I put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. I shot my feet with a prayer. See, you got to go all the way down, put on all the armor, because for what you're going into, you can't take no hits. A lot of us right now are still trying to heal from stuff that happened three years ago because we didn't have no armor on. All right. He said, um, you know the word which the Lord said. Say, Caleb knew God's word. Watch as he rehearsed it every day. And then he said this, concerning you and me. Concerning you and me. Caleb knew what God's word said about him personally. When you read the Bible... Do you read with the intention to know specifically what God is saying to you about you? What has he said or what is he saying about your inheritance? What is he saying about this season of your life? I need somebody to say, I need specifics. I need specifics. When you start reading the Bible, some people read so that they can have so they can have great swelling words. I don't read and study the Bible for great swelling words. I read and study the Bible because there's areas of my life that need to be defended. I don't, even read the, I don't even read and study the Bible so that I can try to defend the word to other people. Because that's for a lot of people, that's a waste of time. Right. I can give you an answer for the hope that lies within me. But I'm not, here to, I'm not here to fight you on biblical doctrine and issues that you don't want to come up to. That's a waste of my time. It's a waste of battle. It's a waste of strength and energy. Before we get into this debate, my question for you is if I give you truth, will you change? Whew. If I give you truth, if you, it, it's no need for us to argue, argue, argue the word and you're not going to change when I tell you the truth. Well, how you know that's the truth? Because his word said, thy word is truth. If, you, if we can't agree on his word is truth, then ain't no need for us to argue. Ain't none of us talk about. 
Because what I the only thing I stand on is his word is truth. Don't tell me about nothing else. Don't tell me about what your grandmama said. Don't tell me about what you, what you read in the ancient book. Don't tell me that God is a she and a he spirit. Don't tell me all that stuff. I ain't listening to you. That stuff don't matter because the Bible said he is looking for those that will worship him in spirit. Come on here. Ain't no need for us to call him mother, mother God and father. No, 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 no. You are twisted in your theology. And I'm not going to sit here and, and, and tell you. The Bible never says that there's a mother, a father, a son, and a Holy Ghost. Y'all get what I'm saying? So why am I going to sit here and argue with you about mother God and you don't want to change your theology? I'm going to take this because this is going to keep me away from all the stuff that God is really calling me to do. And sometimes people, the enemy will send people to disagree with you because he realizes that you're zealous for the kingdom. They'll come to oppose you because he, the, the, the devil knows that anybody that comes against try to come up against your God, something will rise up in you. You're going to have to know how to train yourself so that you only give your energy to fights, like I said on Sunday, that have to do with where you're going. We ain't fighting about Mother God because you off. You off, you're imbalanced, you ain't right. And if you don't want to hear what the Bible says about him, ain't nothing we're gonna talk about. Now, do you want to hear that? Well, I feel God bless you. Ain't nothing else we're gonna talk about. I'll cut you off. I, I, whatever has to happen, I'll walk away. Because somebody said, I don't have time to waste. Watch. Uh, go, write down Ephesians 1. I don't have time to jump into all of this. Ephesians 1. 3 through 14. Read it when you get home. Read it when you go. Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. We, we know this a little bit. Let me read just a couple of verses of it. Because Ephesians 1, 3 through 14, the Apostle Paul talks to us about our inheritance. Why God called you and what he has for you. Say, what, he, what does he have for me? Listen, as he says, uh, blessed and worthy of praise. I'm reading from the Amplified Version, Ephesians 1, 3 through 14. Let me just read two or three verses so I can, I can try to get you to see what he's saying. He says, blessed and worthy of praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us or given us every spiritual blessing in, heaven, in the heavenly realms in Christ. So he's going to explain to us what these spiritual blessings are. Everybody say spiritual blessings. In verse 4, he talks about, he says, um, just as in his love, he chose us in Christ. The spiritual blessing is realizing that I might have been an orphan in the natural, but in the spirit, I've been adopted. So the first, the first thing that he wants you to know as a, as, a, as a sign of spiritual inheritance is that you're not a vagabond. That right there stops 90% of a lot of the fights that a lot of us have gotten because we haven't gotten full identity from our natural parents. That stops all of that right there. If you don't know that, then the enemy can always fight you and make you feel like something is missing when the whole time what your natural mom and daddy didn't give you, I feel like dancing, what they didn't give you, he said, I have given you an inheritance in the spirit for what your mother and father didn't give you. Now, if you don't know that, if you don't know what the spiritual blessings are, then the enemy can keep fighting you and making you feel like you don't have what has already been afforded to you. It's almost like growing up poor and then finding out at 25 the whole time you're a multi-millionaire. The day that you find that out, you're going to get very angry. Like, all this time we've been, we've been living hand to mouth? And you mean to tell me they had millions? Now, think about that for a second. 
What if, what if the whole time you've been saved up until tonight, the enemy wanted you to feel like you were by yourself, you're lonely, you ain't got nobody, because you thinking that having a husband or a wife or 25 children or a whole host of friends means that you're worth something. And the whole time he says, I've given you, come on here, he said, I've given, in the spiritual blessing package, I chose you in Christ before time. Lord, help me. All right. What that means is that he actually, he's, he hand-selected us as his own before we were ever born. So why did God choose you and not somebody else? Because he wanted you. That makes me special. I don't know about you. It makes me feel special that God, out of all of my siblings, all of my family members, some of them still ain't saved. And here I am. I know the truth. I got the Holy Ghost. I got power with God. I can speak things into it. Come on. With all of this I have, it came because before there was a Crump family, before there was a Moorhead family, before there was a Williamson family, come on, before there was a whatever your last name is, God looked into your family line and said, I want him. I want her. She's going to be mine. He's going to be mine. I'm going to have to go through some heartaches, but I got this one right here. I picked this one right here. And, and, and here the enemy is trying to tell you that watch this. You ain't got nothing. You just said, no, no, tell the devil I have inheritance and I have blessings and I have stuff that, that was mine before the foundation of us. Somebody said, I'm rich. I'm rich. Watch. It says, uh, it says, uh, he did this before the foundation of the world, verse number four, so that we would be holy, consecrated, the Amplified says, consecrated, set apart for him, purpose-driven, purpose purpose-driven. Now, the reason why he chose you before you came to the earth and selected, selected you as his own before the foundation of the world is because he wanted to set you aside for him. He wanted to set you aside for his use. He wanted to set you aside for his work. And the Bible says that because of that, your life should be purpose-driven. Not need-driven. Not anger-driven. Everybody say purpose-driven. And he says, and blameless in his sight in love. So the more that I love him is the more that I don't have to rely on sinful deeds and tactics because the more I love him is the more he unravels purpose. Think about that. The more you love on him, Lord, I love you today. I thank you for who you are to me. Lord, I just worship you all day long today. Then what happens is your heart starts beating for purpose. You start realizing, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need her. I don't need him. And people say, you crazy. Just a few weeks ago, you told me that we were going to be inseparable. Yeah, but that was my flesh talking. But now that I'm loving him, now that I've fallen in love with him, all of a sudden, my heart is beating differently. My desires are different. I have new things on the agenda, the horizon of my life. I'm seeing an ending that's coming into play. I'm starting to see why God called me. I'm starting to see why I didn't die back there. And what happens is he says, because of that, you stay in my love, I unveil purpose. Say, the more I love him, is the more he unveils my purpose. All right, so I don't have, I mean, like, that's just a preview of, if you read down from verse number four, three actually, all the way down to verse number 14, you're going you're gonna to see some, some glorious stuff. 
you're going to see all of the stuff. It talks about how we have, uh, verse number seven, I just pick up one random. It talks about how we have redemption. He starts talking about what redemption is. It's deliverance and salvation through his blood. When Jesus shed his blood, he, he opened the door for deliverance and salvation for us. And then he says he, he paid the penalty for our sin. And that resulted in forgiveness and complete pardon of our sin in accordance with the riches of his grace. And he talks about all this stuff. If you read, read this like in the Message Bible, and you're going to be like, whoa, I got all this stuff available to me? I, got, I have so much available to me, and I'm crying because I didn't get a car yet. comparison look at all the stuff that God ain't do for you yet versus all the stuff all the spiritual inheritance he has waiting on you to accept so that everything he gives you you can really hold on to all right so so that so go down to verse four all the way down to verse 14 and read that go back to Joshua 14 because I want to get back to Caleb and the secret of staying young and possessing the promised land because I want us to catch this because some of us God's gonna reverse the, the hands of time for us the clock's gonna go backwards for you Joshua 14, look, look at verse number 7, 14 and 7. I'm reading from the New King James, and let, let's walk through this in my last 20 minutes. Let's walk through this, and let's get to the end of this. Joshua 14 and 7, 7 he says, um, I was 40 years old. Is that what your Bible says? Stop there. I'm 40 years old, he says. Caleb remembers and marks the place and the age he was when he stopped aging. He marks the place where he stopped aging. He said, I was 40 years old. And at 40 years old is where he got the promise. At 40 years old is where God tells him, I got a land for you personally. At 40 years old, God begins to unveil to him his word for Caleb to tell Caleb, I'm going to bless you so much, I'm going to give you a whole region. And at that moment, Caleb stopped aging. Lord. Now look at this. He's 40 years old. What are, you, what are you trying to tell us? If you hold on to the word and hold on to him, every part of purpose starts with an assignment. Every part of purpose starts with an assignment. He says, I was 40 years old when what? When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. This is where he stopped aging. When he followed the assignment of God through his pastor. He's given us the whole, the whole key to this thing. This is why the enemy hates, oh, oh I, I'll say it like this. This is why the enemy shoots rebellion, spears of rebellion in people when it comes to following a leader. Because the devil wants, now think about it, if he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and, there, and, and God says, this is the assignment for the house, which is, I heard God say something else. Then what he, now what happens is, he could have he been like the others and said, this ain't for us. This ain't for us. There's giants over there. We're going to die. We can't do this. Joshua and Caleb are the only two that said, they're bread for us. He says, they're, they're, they're bread. Yo, th these giants are food for us. Let's go in there and take them. You got 1.8 to 2 million people saying no. And two guys that said, we're going to stand on this. It didn't, it didn't, now all of this started, he's saying with this. 40 years ago, at age 40, excuse me, age 40, he stopped aging because that's when he stopped worrying. He stopped aging because that's when he stopped worrying. Why? He went over and looked and touched the fruit 
went into the promised land and his focus remained on what God said, not on the giants. Think about that for a second. Every, every place they went in the promised land, the other 10 spies were freaking out because what they were looking at was, now they had their hands in the, on the fruit. They got, carrying the fruit back, but the whole time they're looking at the giants, looking at the land that wasn't kept up, looking at everything that was wrong instead of keeping their eyes on what God said. God said, I have fruit over here for you. I got a land that flows with milk and honey for you. This is what, I, this is what my inheritance for y'all is. And they went over there and two of them kept their ear to what God said and their eye to what God said. But the others said, we can't do this. Look at that. We are grasshoppers compared to them. Everything they said was contradictory. It caused them to worry more. It caused them to say no to what God said. And they started aging from that moment and they died in the wilderness. But the other two kept living. Caleb said, Caleb said, my energy my energy reserve kicked in at 40 years old when God told us to go from Kardash Barnea into the promised land to go see what he said was true. The more you investigate, oh God, I feel something. The more you investigate what God told you about your life and you, and you agree with him. See, here's the issue. The more you investigate and, and agree and see the fruit of it is the moment that you stop aging. You ain't never heard nobody preach that. You ain't never heard nobody preach that. We're going to see, when I see Jesus, that's what they're preaching. Amen. Oh my, the sweet by and by. God wants you, watch this, to slow down your aging process now because you agree with him and all you're going to do for the rest of your life is investigate and get the fruit off of what he said. Touch yourself. I know the coronavirus going around. Touch yourself. And say, and say, say this, say, I'm going to live longer than expected. Y'all just missed a word to shout hard. You should have shouted right there. Y'all have longer than expected. That's your moment to go crazy and scream and holler. Lord, I believe your word. Don't let it, don't, don't say a statement like that and be like, hey, hallelujah. I mean, that's the thing you release your faith on. Don't let the preacher tell you that. You're like, hey, amen. I'm going to live longer than expected. You're going you're gonna to live long enough to see your great, great, great grandchildren give their hearts to God. Watch, watch, watch. He says, uh, Lord, help us. He says, uh, um, I brought back word to him, to Moses, as it was in my heart. Say, in my heart. This is where he stored what God said. You don't just, he didn't just stop the agent process because he, he kept remembering it. He didn't just store it in his mind. He kept it on the innermost parts of him. He stored the word of God on the inside of him. That word have I hid in my heart. That word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against it. Now sin brings death. Sin brings death. Sin brings death. The wages of sin is, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now watch this. If if the way, if the pay for sin is death, we just think about fornication, adultery, and having some kind of crazy sex. The way, and lying and cheating. The way, if the wage of sin is death, if you hide what God said on the inside of you, he says, you, you, can, you can stop sin. And if you stop sin, you can stop death. 
Y'all missed it. If you can stop sin, y'all have never heard about preaching stuff. Because I ain't never heard about preaching. It's revelation. If you stop sin, you can stop death. He stopped dying the moment he believed God's word, investigated it, and, and stood on it. There's no need for me to say it can't happen because then I move in doubt, unbelief, which is sin. And, and I, started, I start aging trying to get something that I ought to be able to go into with ease. Sweatless victory. Come on here. And a lot of us, we have been, we have been, we're aging ahead of our time, not because you work in 10 jobs, but because you haven't heard a word from God. And number two, you don't believe what he said. So watch, uh, let me help you. When I get a prophetic word, after I finish hopping around and jumping and skipping, I, I make sure it's written down somewhere and I go instantly in prayer to investigate it. I, I, come on, I invest, this could be 100% on, but I'm investigating this thing. I'm asking God for insight on this thing. I'm asking the spirit of wisdom to teach me how to help bring it to pass. But before you can even do all of that, you got to believe it. Write this down and take notes. God wants to be believed. God wants to, oh Lord, this is good stuff. Lord, please help me to finish this in 15 minutes. Because I can't, I can't do this on Sunday. God wants to be believed. He wants you to believe his word. The Bible says, he that believeth shall be saved, but he that don't believe it shall be damned. We don't like that kind of talk because we're like, everybody going to make it. No, everybody's not going to make it. Everybody gonna make because there's gonna be some people that are not gonna believe. That means that there's they're gonna the word damn there. Now, we, we, oh, he's cursing. It really means that they, there's gonna be a wall that comes up that they can't get past. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that doesn't believe shall be damned. That means that they're gonna be watches boxed in. Because when you don't believe, you don't want to go forward. When you don't, we, this is why a lot of people in church are stuck in boxes. So I break the box. Woo, it sounds good, but how do you break the box? Believe. How do you break out of any box? The box of low finances, the box of doubt, the box of, 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 of caring about yourself more than others. How do you break out of those boxes? You got to believe, and what do you believe in? What God's word says about it. How do I break out of the box of low finances? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. If you think that that's a scam, you're going to be boxed in forever. Think about that. Tithing up. That's Old Testament. That's Old Covenant. Before there was an Old Covenant, Old Testament, Abraham was given, was given tithe to Melchizedek. And that was before there was a law. Don't let, don't let these online debates get y'all all screwed up. In a, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, now, it's all, it, all happens, it all happens through your will. Tithe, offering, special offerings, it happens through the will. I don't, I, I don't want to press you into giving. But I do want to tell you what God is saying about it. Your will has to be the end result of this. Right? But this is what most people do. They, are, they, are, they have been hurt in so many areas that the areas they've been hurt in, they stop believing in. If if you were at if you were, if you were somewhere and, and they said we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna raise this offering and we're gonna take care of the roof then you came back next next week and the roof was leaking more 
You left that church, went to another church, and said, we're going we're gonna to take this off and up. We're going to help the widows in the church. And the widows came back and said, they didn't give us nothing. We went to another church, and they said, we're going to raise this, we're going to take up this offering to help, we're going to do our parking lot. And then you came to Sunday, and the whole year, the parking lot still got the holes the size of your kneecap in it. Everybody's, everybody's wheels are getting misaligned. Then you're like, then the enemy, this is what the enemy does. The enemy led you to places because you're a giver. He led you to places you're a giver. So then your fifth church is here. Now we say, we, we want to raise this money, to, and you know what happens? All of the things start coming back up in you from all other churches because although you saw wrong and you experienced wrong, you never let it go. You held the art. And you have been in warfare in this area for five ministries. So this is, this is, this is, how, this is why I say a lot of the fighting that's going on is not even you fighting. A lot of fighting that's going on is stuff that you haven't resolved. Okay, y'all don't believe me. You're sitting here tonight, but this is your body sitting here. But while your body's sitting here, your spirit is very active. Your spirit is hearing the word. Your spirit is being transformed. Your spirit is, is moving. There's a wheel. Lord, help me. There, 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 are, there are wheels in the spirit. There's stuff that happens now. Now, if we, if we, if we say Jesus long enough, something's going to happen in your spirit. If we start praying in the Holy Ghost, even if you don't have the Holy Ghost, you're going to start feeling something. Ooh. Glory. You're going to feel something because, because you are a spirit being. You are a spirit being. Now, I, I'm trying not to go too deep in this. You're a spirit being. And so this is what happens. When, we, when we're sitting here and, and, and we have situations that happen, the situation is not to damage your body. It's to come, out of, it's to come and damage your soul, which, which affects your spiritual life. Because in your, in your body and in, in your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. If your will shuts down, I don't care how spiritual you are, you ain't going to do nothing. Speaking a thousand tongues, your spirit is ready. Come on, give me an assignment. But if your will is shut down, there's going to be no activity. So you got a, you got a Holy Spirit that's like... <sighs> Let's go. Come on. Pray for somebody. Give a word. Do something. Shout hallelujah. Let's do something. But, but when your will shuts down, when your will shuts down, you're just a spiritual ball of energy and it don't go nowhere. You know how many Christians are? They, get, they come to church on Sundays and Tuesdays. They get riled up and then they leave and they have no assignment. So the spirit is on a thousand. Your assignment from after, after Sunday, your assignment should have been, I need to find somebody to minister to. Why? Because you got all of this spiritual energy that is now ready to be used. We got deliverance on Sunday, the word. We got all juiced up. For what? To come back on Tuesday, juice me up again. Clear. Who I feel it. For what? what? What is the assignment after you get juiced up? What, now, what does it have to do with purpose? I know some of you are getting bored now because you're like, come on, get back to the blessings. No. The, <laughs> the purpose behind what God is trying to do in your spirit is that it has to, that all of that is because your purpose has to now come to the forefront. 
So the first thing, the first thing I did after, after all of that was I'm looking for somebody to minister to. Hey, how you doing? What's the matter? You sick? In the name of Jesus, be healed. Now, now there's nothing else to fill up if you're already at a hundred. You had overflow. The Holy Ghost in you, Sunday, you left out of here like, who I was a good service. Hey, glory. Oof, oof, felt, I felt that. You went home and lay down and went to sleep. Monday morning, Holy Ghost still on fire. Woo. Went to work. Ate your food. Holy Ghost like, let's go. What we doing? What we doing? What we doing? Come on. Let's go. What we doing? What we doing? Monday night, he starts going, okay. Tuesday morning, you're going to go back to church tonight. Now, here we are Tuesday night. How did you release? How did you release the power that was imparted to you on Sunday? Because if you don't release it, then you were at overflow. Okay, let me give you a good example. I'll show you this in a good example. Anybody ever had a, sto- a pot of water you put on boil and the water's bubbling over, <laughs> bubbling over, right? When you cut the water off, it still bubbles. That's what happens when you leave here. You're still bubbling. After church, you should go to the store. You should go get some gas. How you doing? You all right? Everything going good with you? Can I pray for you about anything? Y'all don't like that kind of stuff. Why? Because you're bubbling. The gifts are stirred. The longer you, watch, because now you've come away from the fire. When you come away from the fire, you're bubbling, but eventually you go to simmering. You're still hot, but you're not bubbling. You go from simmering to being warm. You go from warm to being lukewarm. Then you come back to church and be like, do it all over again, Jesus. Jesus, do it again, Jesus. Jesus, do it. And, and all is Jesus, and, and ain't nothing happening. Do it, Jesus. Jesus, do it for me. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it don't happen. And now you, this is what you want. Ooh, Bishop, turn the fire up to a thousand tonight. <laughs> and the Holy Spirit is saying, for Ain't no purpose. Ain't no purpose for you to bubble. You get what I'm saying? The purpose for you to bubble is because when you're bubbling in the Holy Ghost, you are at optimal level to see dead people raised, demons cast out, prophecy to come forth. Come on. Healings to take place. These are the signs and wonders that cause unbelievers to believe. Y'all see, I get excited about that. (sighs) Okay, okay, let, let me go. Uh, Lord, he says, um, I bought back the word as it was in my heart. This is verse number seven, right? Now, now uh, listen to this. The inheritance was in Caleb long before Caleb was in the inheritance. The inheritance was in him long before he got into the inheritance. So what happens is part, part of purpose is God gives, puts something in you that resembles where you're going to. He starts a process of causing you to catch a fire for something that you're going to be used in. So you see somebody else praying for the sick, and automatically your hands start shaking. You're like, ooh, glory. You're not the one praying. What is happening? Purpose is coming out of you. You see what I'm saying? Purpose is coming out because this is what you're supposed to be doing. What do you see in ministry that causes you to start coming alive? That you could possibly see yourself doing if you can get out of your flesh. If you can get if you, if you can get delivered from you, when you see somebody else prophesying, there's something leaping you. When you see somebody praying for somebody, there's something leaping you. 
during worship time and they're singing, does something leap in you? Now, now, if, if nothing spiritual leaps in you, you got some work to do. No, seriously, you got some work to do. God bless you. I'm, play, I'm, play. I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm, I'm playing, I'm playing, okay. Okay, go, quick, verse 8. What time is it? 15 after. Okay. Come on, I got, I got, I got to 8.30. Uh, verse 8. He says, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, talking about the other spies, made the heart of the people melt. He, now, how do they do that? By bringing the evil report. He said, but I wholly follow the Lord my God. Caleb wholly, wholeheartedly, all together, he followed the Lord God. Now, listen to this. He was in full agreement with and followed the Lord. Say full agreement. Many are in full agreement with their own thoughts, their own needs, their own stuff, but they're not in full agreement with God. It's hard these days to find a people who are in full agreement with God. My new proclamation is this. I agree with God. Come on, declare it. I agree with God. In order for me to agree with you, what you're saying has to agree with God. That's, that's, all, that's the only one I agree with these days. Say, I agree with God. All right, now watch this, watch this. This is what the Lord told me. He said, tell them this, that the struggle of any hard thing, the struggle of any hard thing ends when you come out of agreement with it. The struggle for any hard thing ends when you come out of agreement with it and come into agreement with God. Who said that, that, you, that trials had to be hard? Who said that trials had to be stuff that we hated? The Bible says, count it all joy. The Bible says, get joyful. What the church has come to know trials as is stuff we don't want. Count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Knowing that the trying of your faith, that's a trial, worketh patience. Then they go on and say, let patience have a perfect work in you. Now, a lot of us don't even like that kind of talk, although we want to be patient. We're struggling with, with the elementary areas of Christianity because we have, we, have, we have bought into that this is hard. And hear the word. The struggle of any hard thing will end when you come out of agreement with that. Stop saying fasting is hard. It's only hard because you made it hard. Praying is not hard. You're a spirit being. How is praying and connecting with God through prayer hard? It's hard because you have made it hard because you're not submitted to God. In any area, if you're not submitted to God, anything that is spiritual in nature is going to be a turnoff to you. So the question is, how many things that are spiritual turns you off? We're going to have prayer tonight. I ain't preaching. Look, I could have stayed home for all this. Now think about that. You ain't going to say that openly. Hallelujah, glory to God. But in the inside, internally, the place that God searches, the heart, there's a whole nother action, the dynamic going on. You fighting and struggling with every hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It's coming out. It ain't coming out right. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It's rough. It ought to be a joy to worship him. Enter into his, come on here, with thanksgiving. Come on. Enter his court with praise. 
be thankful unto him and bless. Does that sound like it hurts? Does that sound like it's rough? Well, why did church make it rough? Because we have been in agreement thinking that it's hard. The enemy wants, the enemy is on a flip-flop on the church. This is what he says. Anything that's connected to your purpose is something you got to struggle to get to. You're going to struggle. You go, God's going to use you. You're going to suffer. You're like, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. I don't want to suffer. And then you'd be like, if I, the, only word, the only thing you know about suffering is if I suffer in my reign with him. I want to reign. I don't want to suffer, though. And this is what we think. We think suffering, because we, our definition of suffering comes from Webster's Dictionary. You want, to know, you want to know what the biggest part of suffering is? The biggest part of suffering is dying to you. And for some of y'all, that's like death. I'm hungry. Anytime you're hungry, you'll be like, I'm going to get food right now. Anytime you feel like somebody getting nervous, I got a word for you, and it ain't from the Lord either. Right? You've given over to you so much that if God says, hold your peace, you're like, for what? Why? I got, they ain't holding their peace, and they saved too. Well, God's holding you to a different standard because of your destiny and purpose. Because of where he's taking you to, he, you're going to have to operate by a, a different level of character. And I, I hear this a lot. I'm tired of being the one who does it the right way all the time. I'm tired of being the one that has to hold my tongue and they just acting a fool. I'm tired. The issue is you never, you never in the race. You never really got in the race because you don't get tired of doing things God's way. Because this is just what happens. You get tired because you don't see the result of it because you're really not doing it. If the Bible says that vengeance is mine, he says, hold your peace, I'll fight your battle, then hold your peace. And even when it don't look like the battle's being fought, something's happening. Like, this is what we, we want to, this, this is our version. We got a version of it. Hold your peace, I'll fight your battle. Somebody come up against you, like, Lord, snap them in half, drag them down the block, then I'll know you fought the battle. Take care of this. Fight this battle for me. Help my ugly. <laughs> so all my <laughs> And the whole <laughs> y'all know I'm telling the truth though. You be like, God, get them and get them now. I'm waiting, Jesus. I ain't said nothing, but you having a whole conversation. He said, hold your peace. I'll fight your battle. He never gave you a time frame. He never gave you no time frame. So what are you supposed to do from the time you hold your peace? Get back to work. Get back in position and fulfill purpose. Let them, let them keep storing up for themselves into that cloud all the stuff that's going to rain back down on them while you stay busy fulfilling purpose. The best way, the best way for you to deal with any enemy is shut your mouth and stick to purpose. Somebody coming after you and you go into that church. And that, okay. What are you doing? Going to pray. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. Can't even have a conversation. No, I can have a lot of conversations right now. I'm going to pray. Because the conversation I need to have ain't with you right now. What are you doing? Fulfilling purpose. Why? What is purpose for you in this season? Keeping your heart clean. So you ain't going to pray saying God kill him. You're going to pray saying God, what's in me? What's in me that's wrong? 
Why is this thing trying to hinder me from what I'm trying to do for you? What's going on? Lord, I almost gave, I almost gave Lord, I give you glory. I almost gave into this. This fight almost took me under. I almost went back to the, to the start. Lord, I thank you, Jesus. See, that's how you want to be in prayer. We don't see the, re the rewards of that because we don't spend enough time and purpose. All right, Lord, I got time. Oh, Lord Jesus, I got this 22 after. I'm, I'm solely finished at 830. Please, can y'all praying with me? How about this? Verse number nine. Moses, Moses has promised to him. He says, surely the land where your foot has trodden, every place your foot went, boy. Every place your foot has gone. Now, this is why you can't be afraid to get out of your little square corner in your room and follow what God's telling you to do. When God is trying to bless you, God will say, go look for the house. Go and look. Now, that don't mean the house you found and like is going to be the house he's going to give you. But what, what, what are you doing? Your, your feet are moving out of familiar places and going into places that you've never been in before because before God can bless you with it, you got to get comfortable, you gotta get comfortable in, a, in a place where you've never been. Looking at prices, how much is that? $450,000? Thank you so much. You're leaving. I don't even have $4. You don't tell them that. It's an uncomfortable place that you have to get comfortable with. You have to get used to hearing half a million dollars, two million dollars, 1.8 million dollars. Come on, see, y'all don't even like talking like that. Y'all don't even like talking like that. You have to get used to that if that's where you're going. God gonna call me to be a millionaire. You can't even hear somebody say something costs half a million dollars. How are you gonna be a millionaire and you don't even want somebody to tell you, don't, don't tell me, I don't even, I don't be discouraged. Don't discourage me. Don't discourage. Why is that a discouragement if you say you're supposed to be a millionaire? Somewhere there's a contradiction. Somewhere somebody lied and it ain't God. If God is calling you to be a millionaire, you're going to have to hear high figures all the time. You got to start talking about, how much is candle? $14? $14 is a bird on my stand? You're all loud. Everybody see you. Fourteen. Can you believe that? Fourteen dollars. It's a small little baby candle. It don't even smell that good. <laughs> but you, but God called you to be a millionaire. I'm going over to the dollar store. I can get the same one. It might not smell exactly like this, but it's an aroma just like it. I'm gonna get this one dollar store. But you're the one God called to be a millionaire. Who really wants to be a millionaire? Let's ask that. Like, if, you, if God is calling you to be a millionaire, your taste is going to have to change. Because a part of purpose, now think about this. What's the purpose of becoming a millionaire? To reach millionaires. I'm going to talk to you because you, me and you are the reason for becoming a millionaire is because somebody who has the anointing of a millionaire has to be able to relate to a millionaire. I got to be able to come to you and tell you the truth without trying to get a dollar from you. Or being afraid because you have millions. I got millions too. And this is what the Lord is saying. You and your millions would die without him. See, now you can speak of boldness because I'm not worried about your money. My, my purpose is coming out because, because of my purpose, God had to fund me. Y'all get what I'm saying? 
when the purpose is to reach millionaires, God ain't going to send you in as a 20,000-air. A 20, He's going to send you in as a multi-millionaire to reach multi-millionaires for his kingdom. And the only way they'll respect you is you got to have a look. Because they're superficial. They're superficial. You're not superficial, but, but he that wins souls must be. They're going to check your bundles. Hmm. They're going to check your hairline. Hmm. They're going to see if you're wearing knockoff Jordans. Hmm. They want, they're going to they're look at you from head to toe. They're going to see what you're driving here with. What are I driving here with? I drove in, I, I drove in on the G-Wagon, but I'm going to drive home. My, my, my chauffeur is going to pick me back up in the Rolls Royce. But I'm not here for that. I'm here to talk to you about your soul. You see what I'm saying? Now, now, now a lot of y'all can't do that without being in the flesh. What you mean when I'm driving? What you driving? See, you're going to have to learn that part of your, when you start operating in purpose, you got to understand the mindset of the people that you're going to win. You got to understand the mindset of, of where you're going to. Paul said, I became all things old people that I might win them the more. He said, I've learned how to be abased all the way down. I'm in a tent. I'm a tent maker. I learned how to live in a tent. I've learned how to bound. I can talk with the upper echelons. I talk many languages. I can go anywhere and squeeze my way in and fit in for the kingdom of God to win them to him. See, when you got purpose, purpose will cause you to study. Paul learned languages. We still trying to understand English. He did it to win folks to Christ. He knew history and government and could talk outside of what the Bible said and the Torah said. He can talk, he can sit with officials and talk official talk. King, come on, it ain't all. And the Bible said, the Lord said, the Lord said, the Bible said, because they're not even going to understand what that means. He was able to take their, their vernacular, what the things that they cared about, and, and, and Jesus did the same thing. He was able to talk to farmers and talk about sowing seeds on their level to get them to understand that something is lost, and when, it's lo and when you don't sow it, you don't get no harvest. It's like, wow, that's good. Well, the Son of Man came to be a seed. Y'all see, he was able to take what people understood and use it to bring them to him. Your job and purpose is to take, is, is so that, watch this, what, whatever God's calling you to, if it's the marketplace, if it's business, if it's movies, if whatever God's calling you to is for you to be the top. That's why he says, I'm going to make you the head. Not to tell. Why? Because you have to be able to be respected in order to be heard. Oof. You got to be respected to be heard. What? Because you know what? You know people are going to say? What you got? I've gone place to preach and, 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 and people, what you going to say? What you got? I said, I don't have nothing, but God has so much to say to you. Well, I mean, I can give you a personal prophecy right now. I can tell you what God is saying right now about you. Tell them what they said. They in there crying while I go out to preach. Just deal with your pastors in there. Just let me take me to the pulpit. Now, now, why does that have to happen? Because anybody you're going to minister to, you have to have a heart for them, but you can't be moved by them. And any place God gives you purpose for, you're going to have to get delivered from thin skin. Being extra emotional. Being in your feelings about everything. 
So God will send you to a church like this where people don't say the right thing the right way all the time. Or she'll be like, sit here. You'll be like, I ain't like the way they said that. Well, if you can't take that, what happens when you go to another place and they tell you to shut up? Look at your awesome. I'm not getting mad right now because your mama told you to shut up and you hate her. Still to this day. You haven't got delivered. See, that's what I'm talking about. If you can't get delivered from your personal offenses, purpose never shows up. So the reason why God can't take most of y'all outside of Virginia is because you ain't got delivered from stuff here. Well, I moved here. You bought it with you here. Your stuff traveled with you from North Carolina, New York, Philly, wherever you came from. Your stuff came with you and you brought it to Virginia with you and God brought you to this church so you could get delivered from it because he wants to take you elsewhere to do his work. You never graduate holding on to the junk. Oh, I'll leave you alone. Okay. Well, I got I got coming. Lord Jesus, help me. I, I, uh, uh, um, look at verse 9. He says, um, the, the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance, you and your children forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord. Uh, man, okay, let's let, let's go to verse 10. I ain't got time. Uh, he says, because he followed, because now nah, he says, the Lord has kept me alive. Is that what your Bible said? Something along those lines? Because he followed wholeheartedly. The next statement that Caleb says is, the Lord has kept me alive. I should be dead right now. Shouldn't be in a position to be inheriting anything. But because I wholeheartedly followed the Lord, even when, even when it was rough and I had two million people against me, I followed the Lord. He said, the Lord kept me alive. He's given us the secret. He kept me alive. Say, say this, the Lord won't let me die. Oh. I mean, even when you want to give up, Lord, I'm done. Lord, just take me. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to wake right up tomorrow. Tomorrow you're going to wake up. <sighs> Glory to God. I guess it wasn't meant for me to die. Take some pills if you want to. Guess what's going to happen? They're going to pump your stomach. We're going to come visit you in the hospital, pray for you. And God's going to say, are you ready to do my will yet? When it's meant for you to have purpose and God has aligned purpose to your life, God won't let you die. But think about this. Some of y'all be afraid of little things happening in your body when I got a little pain. You're like, oh God, what is this? If a bullet didn't kill you, then the pain that you don't know what it is, it might just be gas. I forgot which one of my kids was. One of my kids thought they was dying, screaming and hollering in the house. Ah! Oh, my stomach! Ah! 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 Stomach, I'm a faint! I'm a faint! I said, we're going to go ahead and faint and I'll take you to the hospital. While we're going to, we get to the hospital and the person, and the doctor said, oh, that's just gas. Gave him an IV and in like 10 minutes, one of them kids ran to the bathroom, went to the, stayed in the bathroom for like 15 minutes. Came out and said, I'm ready to go home, dad. I want to go like, Listen. You would have had us all alarmed for three hours screaming and hollering and all you did, I should have gave you a laxative. In hindsight, it's funny, but in the moment, they thought they was going to die. When you have purpose, ooh, say this, I can't die. Some of y'all need to stop planning your memorial service and funerals in your head. I'm going to get my eulogy and stuff ready for whoever's going to pray. I need to get my, my, my program ready. There ain't no program yet. Pay your insurance, but they ain't worried about that right now. You ain't, somebody said, I'm not dying no time soon. Y'all don't even sound convinced. And the devil's like, oh, for real? 
Say it. I'm not dying no time soon. Say, I refuse to die anytime soon. That needs to be one of the things you tell yourself every day. I ain't dying no time soon. I'm not going nowhere yet because I ain't fulfilled purpose. The thing that God called me to this earth to do has not been done. So I refuse to die. And as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Right, let me give you one more and then we'll, 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 we'll pray. He said, the Lord kept me alive. Listen to verse 10. And now, behold, the Lord kept me alive these 45 years. 40, 45 years the man didn't age. He's an old man by age.